Welcome to the final episode of VSTML Renaissance Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always for the final time to recap this third of a season is the Canadian who had no tube vision, as they call it in Belgium, this season at all, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, get your gloating out of the way, whatever. <laughs> I win again. <sighs> I must have the best track record of almost anybody on the planet when it comes to mole seasons. I don't know how I keep doing this. I... I I rarely lose. How'd you like the finale, Michael? You know exactly how I liked it, because I found out your own was the mole like an hour after it recorded. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Why am I wrong? But it, even you said on Friday, if it's your own, it's a damp squib of a choice. It's a terrible choice. It's basically the worst choice apart from Tina in this cast. Like, I just don't understand what the hell they are playing at with this season. You realize why no one was suspecting Neroin, because he didn't sabotage that much. <laughs> he had, was it two or three sabotages that he flubbed? Yeah. Obviously, going into this, I'm pissed off because Neroin was the mole. As I said to you earlier, I'm not even annoyed that you won. I'm annoyed that they wasted all of my time with this season. Because he's just a complete black hole of entertainment in Oregon and he's nearly as bad in this season and every single sabotage when I've just been watching the episode I'm like yeah but you didn't actually think of that he had like maybe one or two sabotages that he actually thought about himself rather than production telling him what to do and that is a bad thing that is a terrible sign for a mole I noticed that when there were situations where he had to improvise he didn't really do well at that he did not do well under pressure when the scenario changed the one that stuck stuck out for me was the laser game sabotage well it wasn't a sabotage because he won it for the team but that he was supposed to lose it but he said well i can become less of a suspect if i bring all of that money into the pot it's not much money but i really become the hero and really drop people off the off their their suspect list and sure enough, he wins the laser challenge, and Ellie says, well, yeah, you won the challenge for us, so I didn't think you were the mole anymore. Because you won the challenge, as opposed to, oh, I don't know, Naj, who who took money out of the pot. He, Rowan could have easily gotten shot right before the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, if you look at it the other way, he was completely and utterly unattended at the end of that game. There is no reason he should have pushed that chest over the finish line, regardless of how much money was in there, because he could genuinely talk nonsense about how he got shot. But as long as he got shot, no money went in the pot. He flubbed that chance to do it. And you cannot spin that as being a positive thing that he managed to make Ellie not suspect him because he had hundreds of chances for Ellie not to suspect him. He didn't need to take that one. Yeah, he could have just used the ripped note scenario and have that be his opportunity to drop off of Ellie's suspect list, which he, well, I mean, when he did the ripped note thing, Ellie already didn't suspect him. If he waited for an opportunity like the ripped note to be the first time that Ellie doesn't suspect him, he would have been in the same situation anyway the worst thing for me is that this season is probably the best one we've talked about since georgia but entirely by default and entirely by virtue of the first four episodes the first four episodes of this season were great they were thematically brilliant the last four were an absolute dumpster fire 
And yes, I'm angry. I'm angry for other things outside of this podcast, but I am a bit angry that they wasted the last four weeks of our uh, our time. And what was the other one that was was when I was watching that wasn't really? Oh, the 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 mega challenge, the Da Vinci Code. That's what made me stick out thinking Euron was the mole because he was the only one actively doing things that try to get them to avoid the money, such as taking that second phone. But he didn't succeed at getting enough money out of the pot. No, you cannot spin him letting 3,400 euros go into the pot as being a victory because 1,100 didn't. That's not how it works. If your tactic when you're going on to Elba is to try and stop them going to the money, your team should not have earned a single bit of money. Instead of hiding the money at the statue, you should have moved the bag and pocketed it. Because you could have got away with that, and that is a forward-thinking mole action. He was far too passive and far too reactionary to actually make him a good mole. I would say even the ways he was reactionary, when I was... Cause... I was I was optimistic when they said Euron was the mole. I was really eager to see what sabotages he did or how sneaky he was. Say, like, with Meryl, when we saw Meryl's sabotages, we were thinking, okay, impressive. She was passive, but there were things that she did that was really devilish throughout throughout Columbia. But here, with Euron, I'm thinking, man, anytime there's a situation that didn't go perfectly with his script... There was only a couple of times, I would say, where he was able to meet his objective, but the laser game was just... I mean, you can do that once, I guess, in a season where you do something that looks heroic to get everyone not to suspect you, but the fact that there was the mega challenge where if you're the mole in the team that can earn money, you can't be earning 80% of the possible value. I would have accepted 50% of the money going into the pot thinking okay that's that's pretty good they i mean that's all the money they could only earn for an episode and a half the winner has to go home with something i mean and, and at least he tried with the game the second phone but the fact he got outplayed by patrick puts a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths i think yeah the other thing about that is the fact that his one aim when he went to elba was to stop nikki and tico getting the exemptions and he failed at that aim his secondary aim was to stop them getting any money in the pot. He failed at that. His third aim was to stop them getting much money in the pot. He failed at that. Elba was a complete and utter failure from the perspective of the mole. Now we know it's your own. And that that is in combination with it being a failure of a challenge concept for an episode and a half. Yeah, as much as I really don't want to play into everyone's perception of me being a complete and utter grumpy bastard about this season and me probably ranting for 40-45 minutes on this episode, I'm afraid it's going to happen. Because not only was I wrong about your own, not only am I super disappointed about your own because it was a complete shot-in-the-foot choice as mole, but I'm just disappointed in the production of this season. That's what kills me, is the fact I was so excited when the trailer for this season came out, and I'm so disappointed it's your own, and I'm so disappointed that they ballsed it up so much. It's. I understand that it was tougher for a mole to do mole things with a bunch of returning players, but your own could have done much better. It's one thing to be undetected for the whole season, but that's because he didn't. He didn't. He didn't take enough risks or sabotage enough. I mean, it would be. It'd be like a season where you pick a mole, 
and nobody unmasks the mole at the end. You think, wow, that was the most impressive mole ever. But then you find out that all they did was earn money for the pot every single episode. And at the end, they say, oh, that was my strategy all along. Nobody figured me out. That's the closest we've ever been to a situation like that, where it's like, okay, that's impressive that Nikki wasn't confident it was you until the final episode. But on the other hand, why why would people suspect you? There, Other contestants probably did worse overall than you did, and they weren't even the mole. Yeah, on paper, the mole being found by only one person is an ideal production point, because then you get a brilliant reaction at the at the unveiling. However, in reality, this is a damp squib because he's so ineffective as Mole that you just go, eh, I suppose he's Mole, I guess. And it goes back to something we discussed last week as to whether a bad Mole ruins a season. Obviously not. If it's an actively awful Mole, not mentioning any names, Australia 6, then maybe, yeah, it ruins a season and you go, why have I even wasted my time on this? But this was a good season with a dreadful mole for me. That's what it boils down to, is he is easily the worst mole we have talked about in however many mole seasons we've done now. Eight, is it? Something like that. And it's entirely his own fault because he did nothing to deviate from the production plan and he's just kind of a a nothing character. I've said this for weeks, is the fact that He made no impact in Oregon. He didn't get anywhere near to the mole in Oregon. He went home. I forgot who he was. I had to ask for a crib sheet on who he was when the cast actually got announced seven weeks ago. And he's done nothing to change my impression of him. Even someone like Tico, who was probably my least favourite Vidim contestant ever before this season, even he's not necessarily rehabilitated his image, but I think slightly better of him now that we've not seen a season of him screaming at people. Yeroen, I haven't changed my opinion of. He's he's just there. Yeah, I'm just sorry. I, I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to give any credit to Yeroen because it's a tough job being the mole. It's a tough job with there being returning players. But I think I don't know. I just think it could have been a he could have had. No wonder that we were at final four, <laughs> and we had four people suspect each one of the other four players. And the fact that there was a, you know, meet the mole challenge. And I think it's the first time that somebody was, is it the first time that somebody got spotted? To my knowledge, yeah. Like properly spotted. Yeah, like where Nikki said, I'm pretty sure I saw Yeroen shimmering in the reflection. She wasn't 100% confident on it. So it's not like we can just completely pile on Yeroen and say, well, that was just dumb. But the fact that it's, the first time where somebody said, I think I saw the mole's reflection during a meet the mole challenge. And then they get towards the end of the game and, and they go straight ticket based on that event. It would have been different if, if Nikki went straight ticket on your own from episode one, then I would say, wow, your own screwed up being the mole in every way possible. <laughs> but I got to say, at least it wasn't until towards the end of the game that Nikki said, Hmm. Based on that reflection, I think it was Yeroen. And maybe, this is an even crazier idea, but if Nikki doesn't think that she saw Yeroen's reflection, I don't think Yeroen gets masked at the end of the game. I think she goes for Tigo and Yeroen goes through the entire game completely undetected. For good reason. Yeah, which is an utter failure on the part of production, because as Papa Bear Gilles de Costa told us, 
you should always plan for the mole to be unmasked. If the mole is not unmasked, that is not a success. Although I do, I want to see it happen once. They got to have the, it's like the equivalent of hunted where, where they don't get to the extraction point. It's got to happen once in the mole. Yeah, but the thing with that is the fact that that then caused, what, about six weeks of arguments online and hundreds of complaints to the um, regulators going, this is rigged against the contestants. Yeah, I think it was like 600 or 700 phone calls that it was rigged. Yeah, it was hilarious, obviously, and complete nonsense, obviously. And in Hunted's case, that was a success because it genuinely proved that these people are very competent. You don't need to have a winner. However, in a show like Vidum, it lives and dies for its winner. And the small saving grace of this is the fact that Nikki is now the winner, and she's donated her winnings to such a good cause. That is a a cherry on top of the shit Sunday that was the ending of this season, I would say. And hey, we did get a good screen cap of Tigo. <laughs> yes, we did. But sadly, I can't make it the banner because purely out of spite, Yeroen is not going to feature in the banner this week. I'm going to find a screenshot that is completely and utterly devoid of Yeroen, like most of this season. And for once, I haven't decided which one that's going to be yet. So, okay, so we know you don't like Yeroen. We know you think he's a shit mole. It's not even that I don't like him, it's that I'm just... I struggle so much to actually even muster up the care for him. I just... I don't have any feelings towards him whatsoever, and that's a terrible thing for... A character that I should be congratulating here after seven weeks of completely and utterly duping me. But it's really difficult to reconcile him being the one to sabotage when he didn't do most of the sabotaging. What is one sabotage that you did like? There's gotta be one, Michael. I mean, the Pitigliano one with the blinds was very impressive. However, it was predictable. I literally said on the recap for that one, the mole definitely told the locals to close some of them. Yeah. That's the thing. The problem is, none of the sabotages were unexpected. That is what you want from a mole, is to sit back when you watch the reunion and go, holy shit, they managed to get away with that. Whereas I don't think any of his sabotages at all were really that unexpected. I would agree with that. That's something I noted too, was these are really underwhelming sabotages. I didn't even really take any notes on the whole episode. I always take notes, but that time I'm thinking... It's pretty easy to remember these sabotages because none of it was ingenious or creative. It was, hmm, that's what that's what was said on the podcast that we expected the sabotage to be. Uh, oh yeah, the final three challenge where when we were presenting our perspectives on how the barrel challenge was sabotaged. And I said, well, your own probably did this where he was able to sne- get be sneaky with the pushing the barrel into a ditch when no one was really paying attention to him. And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. He didn't do anything that was really risky at Final 3. No. And that's also coupled with the fact that he did exactly the same sabotage in exactly the same way for both of the old mole challenges. What was what was funny with the barrel challenge, though, is that Tigo knows it has to be one person or the other, and Euron was still able to sabotage the challenge enough and not draw Tigo's attention, where he was able, able to pile on Nikki too, saying, yeah, look at what Nikki's doing. Can you believe it? She's totally the mole. I'm giving Euron an ounce of credit for that. Yeah, the problem with that is, just like a lot of other sabotages, he let Nikki do most of the sabotaging. 
he wasn't proactive enough to actually do any of the sabotaging himself and take control of the challenge. He just let Nikki go, I think we should start with Pisa, because that's a nice, easy word. And it just, there just isn't the impetus from him to go, I'm going to just take control, mess with these people just a little bit longer. Because at that point, nobody suspected him. Nobody went into that final three test with him as their mole. Nikki said she only suspected him when Peggy went home. That's crazy that, yeah, that he wasn't really, that no one went straight ticket on him until the second half of the finale, the final, final, the final three quiz. Yeah, so he could literally just sit there and screw with people a little bit more. And I'm really shocked that production didn't pull him aside and go, nobody mentioned you on this last test. You really need to actually make someone suspect you so they can be the winner. Yeah, because Nikki could have easily just disregarded the reflection to think, oh, that's just tunnel busy and go for Tigo on the final quiz. It's probably very close to happening. Yeah, Nikki would have won the game by just answering the question, is the mole male or female, and putting male, thinking it's Tika. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. Like, Nikki could have won the game with one out of 40 if she hadn't seen him scurrying away in the castle. And that's not a success for me, I'm sorry. It kills me to actually criticise a mole season properly like this, and believe me, we've been recording for 20 minutes now, and 90% of this is just me ranting. It kills me to criticise the mole season because I hold it in such a high regard as a show. But they really fucked up here. They stupidly chose him as mole. Given that, to quote you, outside of Tina, he's probably the worst choice out of the cast. I have no idea why they went with him rather than guaranteeing one of their big characters the actual spot in the final. They looked out that it was Nikki and Tico who were there with him, and, you know, they're both big characters for better or for worse. They looked out that Nikki was the one who unmasked him. They looked out that Tico had that reaction when he found out that he was completely wrong again. But that's nothing to do with production. Production shot themselves in the foot by picking him as Mole. And I I really feel like either of those other two finalists probably would have done a better job of sabotaging than he did. You understand now why Yeroen went home second in his original season. He went home fifth. He lasted five episodes. Okay, so it's still not a super deep run, but you just understand maybe he's not really made made for Vidim. Like it's it'd be one thing if yes, we're all indifferent to Yeroen as a character, but I mean, I had my expectations. A little bit higher to see, okay, indifferent as a character, but he was he really good as a mole? Because there have been moles where we're sort of indifferent to them as people like, oh yeah, they don't really exactly have sparkling personalities, but they still got to find somebody who can remain relatively undetected and get away with a lot. And then we get through this whole reunion show, and I'm thinking, hmm, man, indifferent as a character and failed at way too at too high percentage of sabotages and the sabotages he did pull off weren't too significant he did better in the beginning with the sabotages i'll give him that he had a stronger other than the laser game i think he had a little bit of a stronger first half i think the thing is if you compare him to say the last two moles who we've actually covered in terms of vidim so merrill and rob both of them we were kind of like yeah, I suppose they're all right characters. I don't think we ever actively kind of forgot they existed. Maybe a little bit more with Meryl than uh, than Rob. Yeah, Meryl went invisible some episodes. We made jokes at her expense. But by the reunion, 
and you saw their sabotages, you go, actually, they were really sneaky and really good at this. Especially Meryl. Meryl was a big surprise. Yeah, genuinely, in Vondelpark, when Meryl was announced, I was gobsmacked that Michelle was right. But then I was kind of happy, because it was really fun to find out what she did. With your own, I just, I sit there and go, really? That's all he did? I think that's, yeah, that has to be the payoff, is that you fooled the audience, and they're like, oh man, I can't wait to see what the mole did. And then you get disappointed at what the mole did. That's not a good payoff. It's it's like, congratulations, yes, you did fool many people. Not Logan Saunders, but then it's like, okay, how did you fool us? We got a, It's an art form to sabotage all these challenges. And then that's it? Really? Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to come into this having ranted for 20 minutes about Euro and his mole. But genuinely, I'm just like, eh. It's the, it's the elephant in the room. It's like... Yeah, he did He did okay at some sabotages, and then... I mean, it's the laser game when he pulled the chest over the line where I'm thinking, um, okay, I, I, that's not and that's not a mole act. Winning is not mulling. Like, okay, here's a good example. Here's a good example where you can pull the chest over the line. Uh, it takes me back to, like, some of the mole challenges where, where there's no money that could possibly be added, say... Okay, Argentina, Belgian Mole Argentina season, that's the example I'm thinking of, when Jills is picked to run through the Metro, and everyone else has the chance to earn money for the pot, but all that money only goes into the pot if Jills crosses the finish line. So none of the other teams succeed at their challenge, so there's zero euros to be won, but Jill still crosses the finish line to be the hero. But he's the hero for nothing. If anyone else had succeeded at the challenge, then Jills doesn't cross the finish line at all, even if one t- one of the three people succeed at their task, because then it would still be a thousand or two thousand euros goes into the pot. Yeah, there's there's just no nuance to to that sabotage. Yeah, that's the one that got to me the most. I get I get what the I get what the plan was to, but but he just did that in the moment. That wasn't part of the production plan. The production plan was for him to fail, and he just sort of disregards. He's like, eh, finish line is right there, and I I just don't want to I want to make my job easier to not be suspected as much. I think there's a balance when you're the mole between not being suspected and keeping the pot as low as possible. And I think Euroan at too many opportunities crossed the line a bit too much and just focused on not being suspected and not necessarily on actually doing proper sabotages. That's a good way to summarize it. <laughs> that's a good way to summarize what we've been saying for the past half an hour <laughs> do you want to actually run through the episode or do you want to just kind of keep I don't know it? I think we kind of just did didn't we <laughs> I mean my other favourite thing is the fact that Ellie was really pissed that he did a fake bond with her she was so annoyed at him or the necklaces they all had the V is the troll yeah the uh, the turd necklaces for a turd of a season <laughs> like I've made no secret of the fact that this season has been a season of two halves. It's been a season where the first four episodes were really good. They were brilliant thematically. They just kind of worked. The casting was on point. Then we started losing really fun people. The episode started dragging a bit. The production decisions were dreadful. We had the 
stupid Elba episode that is a really episodes. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm more talking about the full episode where the mole went into it trying to minimize how much money went into the pot, and they came out with like 75% of the maximum. The mole went into it trying to stop it being three people who were vulnerable at a double execution, and he failed on that point as well. It was an utter failure of an episode for the mole, that episode. Far more than I think if he was in the cage. I think he would have been better being in the cage and not having to take any responsibility for that terrible episode, rather than being an active participant in a really bad episode. I think the other part to it, too, is just that there was only, there wasn't, that he was given it. That's the other point I was going to make, is that he was given a massive gift that there was going to be a double execution. So, there's a lot, and plus there was only going to be one challenge and then a third execution. So, Euron had a lot of room to play in these next two challenges. And the Elba challenge, he just completely failed at it. And what was the one after? Was the, Oh, yeah, that was the Meet the Mole challenge. I guess no money went in there. So, so it was just the Elba challenge. So, really. He had to tank the Elba challenge as much as possible, and he tried, but he failed miserably. And he had so much room to play because there was going to be three people executed in a row, so it didn't matter. Like he could be discovered at that point, really, because after the Elba challenge, you essentially go into the final three. He should have just gone all in. And it's like, okay, if I get suspected now, it doesn't really matter because. Three of the people who could suspect me are all going to have to go anyway. And there's only one round of play left. I feel like he had the wrong attitude as a mole as well. I know I'm trying I'm trying not to make this basically a 45-minute roast of your own, but we're going there now. He had the wrong attitude as a mole because in the section where he goes through how he sabotaged, or let's be honest, didn't, the Elba Challenge, he said something really interesting, which was that the mole wants people to leave as soon as possible. The mole never wants people to leave as soon as possible for two reasons. One, when there's more people, there's more people to hide behind. And two, more importantly, usually non-eliminations cost money from the pot or stop money going in the pot. That is a brilliant thing for a mole, is to be able to convince people not to send anyone home and to just accidentally save production five grand or whatever. That's what made Rob so successful, is that he took full advantage of that strategy. He was That's why he went completely undetected until the very final quiz. Yeah. Like, as much as obviously China is an ostensibly worse season because they didn't do much travelling at all, Rob is an infinitely better mole. Rob is a really, really, really good mole. But you just didn't see most of it until the end. And I can reconcile Rob being the mole far more than I can reconcile Yeroen being the mole. That's my problem, is it's all well and good me turning around at the end and going, I was duped, I was completely wrong, I was on the wrong track. But hand on heart, I cannot honestly say that Yaron feels like the right mole this season. He doesn't feel like the person who was actually moling this season. Yeah, and like I remember with the with Rob's reveal, we were commenting going, wow, that was an impressive sabotage, or that was another really blatant one that he got away with. Rob got away with some very aggressive tactics, which made it really impressive he didn't get picked until the very final minute of the season. 
Meryl's the best example I'm going to use here because Rob, I did suspect in the end, he was my mole in the final test. On Meryl, I was stood in Vondel Park, shocked that it was her, but within an hour, having seen her sabotages, I was like, yeah, it's 100% her. With Euroan, I wasn't shocked when, when I got it spoiled because there'd been rumblings, especially after last week, that he wasn't all. But with Euroan, I just turned around and go, yeah. I guess, I suppose, he he might have been the mole. And I shouldn't be feeling, at the end of a season, a distinctly underwhelming attitude. So, yeah. Euroan is by far the worst mole we've covered, I'm sorry. You cannot make any argument that he's not. <laughs> is there a worse mole than him ever? Yes. I'm trying to really, yeah? Yeah, the, the best comparison I can make is the one from Dominican Republic that I keep bringing up, who was almost as ineffectual as uh, as your own was. The Australia 6 mole was really bad as well, and by the end of it, I'm just like, eh, I guess. Um, what other seasons have I seen with really, really kind of underwhelming moles? There aren't that many. They're usually pretty good at picking the mole, and they're usually pretty good at picking people who you can, by the end of the season, at least accept being the mole. I think the other element to it, too, is the reason why you don't really talk about that happening in Venom with having an effective mole is that it's been on for over 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, production should know what works and what doesn't or what the or just what the mole's role is. It, we shouldn't be 20 years in and second time contestants and then have a performance like this. The worst thing, I think, is the fact that apparently he was going around on social media that people think he's a top five mole, and I'm like, really? You you've obviously not seen many seasons if you think he's anywhere other than right at the bottom. Or short term memory. Yeah, he's a really bad mole. He's not even the best mole this year. Rob or Alina, who's better actually? <laughs> They're both damn good. <laughs> I think I actually probably would give it to Rob, but it's close between him and Alina. It's tough. It's it's like splitting splitting hairs. Alina was really good too. Alina uh, Alina and Rob really 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 good. Heroin not so much. And to be fair, the German mole one was really bad as well. She's another one who who I'm just like, what? Why? How? Where? <laughs> I have no other notes. I think I covered all my thoughts on. I mean, there's we didn't get to see any hidden clues, so I don't really know what, and we don't get to know who people suspected that we get hints of who people suspected but yeah I'm, i've i've just got one more thing to rant about i'm sorry handwriting is one of the worst clues they've ever had in this show and in any mole a good mole clue has a bit of play along ability for the audience like you see a good clue on any of these versions and yes it might be tough to solve but it's satisfying when you solve it when you find out that the mirrors had your own handwriting on, you're just like, but how were we supposed to know that? And it's emblematic of this season anyway, and your own as a mole, that the big clue for him was that his handwriting was on the mirrors and it matches his handwriting, which at no point in any episode do we see. There is no way you can actually know that without doing a bit of Googling and trying somehow to find his handwriting, probably going back to Oregon to see him writing in his mole book. And that's just what kills me, because I don't want to criticise this season as much as I have been, especially this episode, but the past four episodes. I don't want to criticise this show, 
don't want to criticize this season, but frankly, the last four episodes have been awful. They've been really bad episodes and really bad produced, and I'm I'm sorry if anyone somehow from Vidim Production is listening, but Vidim 21 needs to be friggin' ace. I'm sorry. Because this season was really good thematically, but really, really bad by the end of the show. Ditto. Yeah. I I honestly love how we're we're like nearly 42 minutes into this recording, and most of the time it's just you sitting back listening to me rant. <laughs> it's the closest to a monologue we've ever had. <laughs> well, the, the, mon- the monologues. So do you want to eulogize this season, seeing as though there's been so much of me bitching about it? <laughs> um... A good first half? Well, an underwhelming mold, but at least the cast was entertaining in the first half. It was neat to see the experiment of, and also, I mean, that's the other part that hasn't been addressed that much in this podcast or in the season overall, is that this is the first season I can think of worldwide that had a full All-Star season. And the choices were confusing, but it was neat to see the experiment regardless to see how people play for a second time and not be Corbin Bjornsson and Stephen Baldwin and a couple of celebrity uh, and a couple of the miniature celebrity mall seasons <laughs> here we get to see a full-on all-star slash returning season of the mall and much like many returning slash all-star seasons of other reality shows it did not live up to its expectations but whatevs, it's COVID and there's not much content right now. In fact, there's a good chance that The Mole might be the only show of the major competitive reality shows that can survive through the pandemic. Given the fact that both Belgian Mole and <laughs> Vidim are, have already announced that they've done filming for the next season. Yeah, we had confirmation of, uh, of Belgium actually definitely having already filmed uh, today. It was a strong rumour last week, but uh, yeah, the confirmations come through from um, from Papa Bear that Belgi will be back next year. Yeah, and then and then of course Vidim's at the Rick said at the end, yep, January second is the next is the air date for the next season, which means they've definitely filmed theirs as well. Yep. And the strong rumour now is uh, Chechia. Oh Czech Republic? Yeah formerly known as Czech Republic. Um They've almost confirmed it now, because there was a, a sighting in a uh, in a Czech forest, apparently, with some uh, some venom signs. Oh, what about Belgian Mall? Belgian Mall, no one knows until they uh, they release a trailer. They're very secretive about it. But we'll probably know Chechia for certain in about three weeks when the Mall books come out, and we'll have a cast by then as well. Meanwhile, who knows when we'll get another Survivor or when we'll get another international Amazing Race. <laughs> well, do you know? Do you know what the first survivor that's going to come back is? Because I did find this out this week. Oh yeah, South Africa. South Africa's doing a well. They're probably doing a season in South Africa. Yeah, Survivor SA have uh, have said they're they're planning to film in the next few weeks, and it's probably going to be actually uh, domestic, which isn't as bad as it could be. Because let's be honest, we both love South Africa. We can probably forgive them slightly. <laughs> Hopefully, it's better than their last season. Season six was brilliant. South Africa as a country that is not necessarily Survivor South Africa. No, I see. I see what you mean. So, let's do the final bit of housekeeping. Who won the pool? Logan did. Let's skip over that. I won! Yay! I won! Wow! I think it's really interesting that comparing the two pools that we've done this year, I won the last one, 
Michelle came second, you came third. And then this one, you won, I came second, Michelle came third. Does that then mean that I'm going to come third in the 2021 one, Michelle's going to uh, win it and you come second? Let's, let's, I guess we, I guess stay tuned. And something else that's going to come back for Vidim uh, 21 is our first suspicions list. Congratulations to four people, Jack Pitts, April Bride, Brandon Martin-Moore, and of course Logan Saunders, who all picked Yeroen as their number one. Awesome. Great job, Yeroen. <laughs> and now, the final question I have to ask you, Mr. Saunders, what's next? I don't know. Th- this was it for 2020. We're just sitting around for Vidim 21. Yeah, because it's very interesting, really, that we mentioned Survivor in a particular country, South Africa. Because if you cast your mind back to um, to the heady days of February when we all believed we'd still actually be able to travel the world, um, we did episode 300, and there was a particular category, this is basically the same speech that I did uh, six months ago, I'll warn you now, there was a um, particular category that we that we were very interested in called the best shows that we never covered. And one of those was Jamal Delgi Argentina. However, that was not the only one that won that category. In fact, Jamal Delgi South Africa was the other one. And frankly, this year's been pretty shit. It's not just because of your own. No, it's not just because of your own. It's just, you know, the C word that we try not to mention on these podcasts too much. So as a special end of year treat, Logan and I have dusted off our vaults and we are going to go back and complete Jamal Belgi starting next week so next thursday we're going to do the traditional belgy slot of thursdays at 9 p.m gmt next thursday you will be able to both listen and watch along with demol belgy south africa because it is kind of the lost season none of the subtitled copies exist anywhere on the internet until now because every single week because i'm nice every single week um i'm going to also upload the subtitled versions of the episode again for one week only. So as a special treat, if you are actually following along with our coverage of the season, you can watch or re-watch the shows. Obviously, that may change if they end up getting taken down and I start getting copyright strikes, but for now at least, there is going to be the opportunity for people to actually watch to Mole Belgium South Africa, then listen to our recaps. It is unsurprisingly given how much i talk about it on mole podcasts one of the best seasons that we've ever covered now there was so much of the season that we both forgot about spoilers and i'm very excited to finally start actually talking about it because we've been very unsubtle about the fact that a we were going to do it and b that we have been doing it we've been recording it for about two months now because we've been super slow on it but it's actually happening and it's awesome it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just the way you said it. And it's awesome. Yeah, the problem is, we're having to announce this on essentially a podcast about a wet fart of an episode. It's like the least enthusiastic I've ever been for an episode of Mole that we've been talking about. And now I've got to be like, yay, we actually get to talk about a good season again. <laughs> the Mole is shit, the Mole is shit. We get to talk about the best season ever. So yeah, from next Thursday, remember remember the 5th of November, Gunpowder, Treason and Plots, you can listen to our Demol Belgi South Africa recaps. If you're doing the math in your head, yes, that means that it ends on Christmas Eve. 
it is, I'll be honest, the least Christmassy episode we've ever done. There is absolutely no reference to Christmas Eve at all here, because I wasn't guaranteeing the timing until we recorded it. Yeah, we 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 recorded this during the summer. <laughs> yeah, we recorded it like literally the opposite of Christmas. Well, if it was if you've been our summer is South Africa's winter. Yeah, but if you've never seen Demolvelsi South Africa, it is one of the I would say funniest seasons ever. The cast is really nice. The challenges are frigging insane. Yep. You've never, ever, ever seen a mole season that has put people through quite these sort of ordeals. And that's all I have to say on it without spoiling anything. And for fans of our Demol Belgi Argentina recaps, it is pretty Argentina spoiler heavy, I'll be honest, so make sure you've seen Argentina as well. We actually remember to talk about the mole's actions. So if you've seen the season before, there is a little bit at the end of the podcast. There's like a five second gap between our goodbyes and then them. Um, and then the what did the mole do section, but we actually remembered each week to talk about what the mole did, so I'm proud of us, after we mentioned it on the Argentina premiere and then never did it again. So have you got anything else you want to say about this uh, about this damp squib of a season? Bring on Vidim 21. Yeah, please God let Vidim 21 be great, and yeah, please, please listen to our Demol Belgium South Africa recaps from next week. That takes us right into the Vidim 21 premiere, essentially, because there's only going to be a December 24th is the last Belgi episode, and then January 2nd is when they actually air Vidim 21's premiere, but we'll be recapping it every Wednesday from January 6th. So we're just down to Amazing Race. We're just down to one show for the rest of the year that we're actually recording. One live show, and then, yeah, then I guess it'd just be Vidim 21 early next year, because I don't see anything else major being filmed. No. God knows what we're going to do for the rest of the year. So yeah, have you got anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. Cool. So, thank you for listening all season to our Views to Mole Renaissance recaps. We'll be back next Thursday, as I've just announced, for De Mole Belgi South Africa. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, RTV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at Logsupergwacky, and I am MJ Harmstone. We will also be back on Sunday for the third episode of Amazing Race 32. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles, and we will see you next week for Belgium, South Africa. Peace out, and just chill until the next of flavoring.